Section 17 of Life of John Churchill, Duke of Marlborough by Louise Creighton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 8, Campaign of 1705, Part 2. In the middle of June, anxious news came from Holland. Villeroy and the Elector of Bavaria, who commanded the French forces there, had made a dash upon the Meuse, retaken Huy, and invested Liège. Overkirk, the Dutch general, was placed in a most dangerous position. Urgent messages were sent to Marlborough, begging him to send troops, and if possible to come himself. He determined to do so at once, and started on the 17th of June, 1705, having left sufficient troops to protect his conquests on the Moselle under Dobach, the Palatinate general. His approach caused Villeroy at once to withdraw from before Liège, and Marlborough and Overkirch effected their junction without difficulty. Huy, too, was soon recaptured, but Marlborough had the mortification of hearing that scared by the approach of a small number of french troops dobach had retired from treves and Zaubuch without a struggle and both these places with all their magazines had fallen into the hands of the enemy marlborough still hoped to do something in the netherlands after the fall of Huy, he determined to break the lines by which the enemy had defended the frontier of brabant these lines extended from antwerp to namur they had taken three years to make and the greatest possible skill had been employed in their construction in great part they followed the course of the rivers and every natural accident of the ground had been made use of to increase their strength at the two ends were the fortresses of antwerp and namur and between these many strongly fortified posts the whole lines were now protected by the presence of the French army under Villeroy, which was 70,000 strong. Marlborough decided to force the lines at a point between Lewe and Heilisheim, which both nature and art had made so strong that it was less well guarded than the rest. He kept his design secret from everyone except Overkirk. He was determined, he said, to cheat the Dutch into a victory. On the night of the 17th of July, the attempt was made and was entirely successful. The enemy was completely taken by surprise, and the main body of the army had no idea what was being done until Marlborough had passed the lines. Villeroy was obliged to retire behind the Deal to the neighborhood of Louvain. Marlborough was anxious to press on after him, but the Dutch generals objected and urged that the troops were too fatigued. Tirlemont, however, and several strong places on the line surrendered to the Allies at the first summons. This success caused the greatest exultation, but more than all other congratulations, Marlborough valued the devotion which was shown by the soldiers whom he commanded, and who for the most part had fought with him at Blenheim. The kindness of the troops to me, he writes, has transported me and makes me resolve to endure anything for their sakes. Marlborough hoped that this success would encourage the Dutch, and make them less fearful of energetic measures. Unfortunately, heavy rains set in for eight or nine days, and made further movements impossible. 
this gave time for the dutch ardour to cool and their generals grew more discontented than ever especially schlangenberg who cherished a strong dislike to marlborough at last marlborough persuaded the field deputies to allow the army to cross the deal so as to be in a position to attack the french the passage of the river was begun successfully the enemy were too distant to offer any opposition when suddenly the dutch generals began to hesitate schlangenberg urged that the attempt was too dangerous and in spite of all marlborough's efforts orders were sent to recall those troops who had already passed and to suspend the passage marlborough was bitterly disappointed and had to suffer the further mortification that his opponents in england and holland put down the failure to his own want of skill but disappointment never diminished his energy since the dutch generals would not cross the deal he determined to lead them round its sources and thence attack the french army the march was successfully accomplished the enemy alarmed moved their camp so as to have the little river isk in front of them on august eighteenth the allies were ready to attack the enemy's camp marlborough had carefully surveyed the ground both alone and with overkirk and they had made all their arrangements at midday he begged the deputies to give orders for the troops to advance but they demurred saying they must first consult with their generals when they were all summoned marlborough who was in a fever of impatience but as usual outwardly calm pressed upon them in strong terms the importance of an immediate advance i am convinced he said that conscientiously and as men of honour we cannot now retire without an action should we neglect this opportunity we must be responsible before god and man his words were only received with a murmur of disapprobation schlangenberg was foremost in expressing his opinion that the passage of the isk was impracticable and in spite of marlborough's perfectly courteous replies continued to mutter murder and massacre for three hours the discussion went on marlborough stood by in an agony of impatience feeling that the precious moments were being lost at last some of the dutch generals went to reconnoitre the enemy's position they declared it impossible to force their posts and meanwhile night was falling when marlborough heard the result of their observation he exclaimed bitterly i am at this moment ten years older than i was four days ago the next morning the attack was declared still more hopeless than before for the enemy had made use of the night to strengthen their position marlborough could not stay where he was for want of bread and was obliged to fall back through the obstinacy of the dutch generals he lost the opportunity of winning what he says would have been a greater victory than blenheim the battle had he been allowed to fight would have taken place on the field of waterloo made famous some hundred years later by another great english general marlborough had the still greater mortification of learning from some deserters who were picked up that had he advanced the french would not have resisted him but would have fallen back on brussels the french generals were at a loss to understand his conduct and began to believe that he could not be a great general after all but that the victory of blenheim must have been owing to some happy chance 
when the state of the case became known in england a storm of indignation arose at the conduct of the dutch generals and deputies marlborough wrote a letter of complaint to the hague which he tried to make as temperate as possible for he knew that any sign of dissension among the allies would be most harmful to the common cause when this letter was made public the general voice of holland was loud in his favour and the conduct of the deputies was severely blamed hensius the pensionary a firm friend of marlborough and of england sturdily maintained marlborough's cause and the states sent a special envoy to make an apology to the english cabinet marlborough finished the campaign with the capture of Leyway and superintended the demolition of that portion of the french lines which he had conquered he was much troubled at this time by the affairs of the grand alliance every one wrote to him for help and advice and his camp at Erdenhals was really the centre of european affairs it is no wonder that the grand alliance produced great complications the war had to be carried on in many different quarters and the soldiers who fought were provided by many different nations but were for the most part paid by england and holland all the smaller german states that had joined the alliance furnished troops for the pay of which they were not responsible yet all these varied elements had to be made to work together and no one but marlborough seemed to be able to keep things going it was necessary to arrange where and under what generals the different bodies of troops were to fight to settle who was to pay for them to persuade the german states to be true to their promises to stir up the court of vienna to greater activity and to keep the touchy king of prussia in a good temper in spain the allies had had a marked success the earl of peterborough had been sent from england to make a descent upon catalonia and valencia peterborough was one of the most striking characters of the age without prudence self-command or patience he possessed the courage of a knight-errant and an activity of mind which made nothing so hateful in his opinion as idleness he was famous for the rapidity with which he travelled over europe swift said of him knows every prince in europe's face flies like a squib from place to place and travels not but runs a race only a small force was now confided to him but he was just the man to undertake what to others would seem desperate the archduke charles accompanied him and it was determined to attack barcelona but this was one of the best fortified cities in spain and its capture seemed hopeless the attack was given up and the forces prepared to re-embark but in the night peterborough started with only sixteen hundred men to attack the fort of montjuic which overhung barcelona at the first attack part of the fort fell into his hands in three days the whole fort was his and shortly afterwards barcelona itself capitulated the result of this capture was that all catalonia and valencia declared for the archduke and the allied army was largely increased by recruits and by deserters from philip's army in italy things had not gone so well for the allies eugene had been sent there but was feebly supported he fought a fierce battle at cassano in which both he and vendome claimed the victory but the situation of the duke of savoy was still full of danger moreover the eight thousand prussian troops 
had only been promised for a year and the king of prussia who had taken offence at the court of vienna threatened to recall them marlborough was entreated to go to vienna to consult upon the steps to be taken for the relief of the duke of savoy and to make another journey to berlin to pacify the king convinced that his journey might be of great use to the cause of the alliance he got the necessary permission from england and started on october twenty sixth from Ehrenthal's for vienna his journey was like a triumphal progress everywhere he was received with the greatest honour and distinction at vienna the emperor treated him with the most marked favour he created him a prince of the empire and conferred upon him the lordship of mindelheim in schwabia marlborough had hoped to meet prince eugene but he was detained in italy and could only communicate his views by writing in vienna marlborough showed once more his great diplomatic talents and his conciliatory powers he pacified the jealousy which had arisen between holland and austria he persuaded the emperor to offer the king of prussia such terms as would soothe his pride and to propose an honourable treaty to the hungarian rebels as there was a pressing need for supplies for the war in italy he guaranteed in the name of his government a loan which was to be at once raised in vienna from vienna he went to berlin and was again successful in humouring the fanciful pride of the king who promised to allow his troops to remain in italy as a mark of respect to the queen and a particular friendship to the duke on his way back marlborough visited hanover where he soothed some misunderstandings which had arisen between the electoral court and england before coming back to england he had to pause at the hague to persuade the dutch to agree to the arrangements which he had made at vienna there was a party in holland in favour of accommodation with france and louis the fourteenth knew well how to attract the disaffected dutch by offers of a separate peace marlborough had a firm friend in hensius who exerted his utmost efforts to keep the dutch true to their engagements at last everything was finished the necessary arrangements for the supply of troops for the next campaign were made and holland had agreed to furnish its share of the funds needed so that early in january marlborough was able to go back to england End of section seventeen